This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Try again. The host here, uh, co-host. Right away, I'm into trouble. <laughs> right away, I'm into trouble. I know. It's yeah, Frank bit rough to start. Here, yes, the sous chef of the garden. And there you are, my little Christmas cactus, my little Randy Rosadendron. Mm. <laughs> How Welcome are you, Charlie? Welcome back, Franklin. Well, thank you. Yeah, I missed doing the show last week. We really missed did. you, but you were reading to crowds, hordes, I understand. Well, you know, a couple of good uh, crowds. I, had, I read twice my yeah. little story out there at the uh, museum, which has, by the way, if I may just quickly give them a nice plug, St. Catherine's Museum have this... Uh, sea monsters display. Mm. It's really extensive. Yeah. I mean, it came from Quebec and and Newfoundland. It's a and, traveling show. Yeah, and it's just a wonderful setup. But uh, it was a great time. Oh, I had a wonderful great. time. And uh, our buddy Robbie Lane, thank you very much for sitting in in my stead. But you know, he's still just the sous 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 chef. <laughs> He's the under-under chef, huh? <laughs> Oh, okay. As long as it's not, not the undertaker, that's... No, nope, nope. yeah, You don't want to hear that. No. And a note to uh, folks who are calling in, and I'll give you the phone numbers in just a flash. Really uh, listen carefully and uh, speak loudly to the uh, producer of the show, Christina, because she's got a bit of a sore throat, see? And she can't speak too loudly. Right. So understand that, that she's not being, you know, she doesn't operate one of those phone things you see advertised on TV. Yeah, she's not <laughs> whispering on purpose. Hi, <laughs> call into the garden show. No, it's nothing like that. Okay, and here are the here are the numbers to reach the soft-spoken Christina. 416-360-0740 and then anywhere else in the province, my friends, it's one 740 Four seven forty, and as usual, is your want is to read a whole batch of goodies there. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. My want, I love that. Uh, okay, so just one announcement that I was sent. This is for next Sunday, December the ninth. Harvey Reitman of Clay Crevice Construction is speaking on new techniques for new plants. And this is on behalf of the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. They meet at 1.30 in the afternoon at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. As I said, that's a week tomorrow, December the 9th. Christmas shopping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Presents for gardeners. We have to start sort of talking about whatever gardener wants mm-hmm. on their Christmas list. And one great website I did uh, uh, sort of stumble across, and I do enjoy uh, Kathy's Composters, right? This is Kathy with the, the worms. <clears throat> mm. She's that wild woman with the, the red worms. That would be referred to as Kathy with, with the, the worms. worms. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what she is, though. So she has some great pr- Christmas. Christmas present ideas on her website, which is kathyscomposters.com. One word, Kathy's Composters. Things like worm earrings. Worm earrings? Mm -hmm. And worm chalets. Chalets for your worms. (laughs) Oh, I... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, okay. you're grabbing uh, your ear. The visual is just way too much for me. But Okay, all the things that she sells are totally friendly to the environment. They're all created with sustainable practices, and the worm earrings are not made out of real worms. Okay, they're okay, made out of they're just, carved wood from Guatemala. I but, get you. Okay, but she has like a puzzle. <laughs> okay, a puzzle for sale, you know, regular. Yeah, yeah, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. With whatever, 12 quadrillion pieces. And when you're finished, all it is is a mass of worms. Oh, that'd be tough. Oh, really tough. I'd do one with apples, nothing but apples, and drove oh, me crazy. Well, how about the White it. Album? Have you ever tried yeah, to do that I've one? I tried to do that. <laughs> that was like gave up. impossible. All right, so uh, a shout out to all the birthday people at my house. It's just what a crazy yeah, week. You tell me had a wild week there. Oh, my goodness. My daughter just had her 23rd birthday last week. My niece had her 26th birthday last week. And my dad had his 85th birthday just yesterday. Wow. So, happy birthday to all those people, and uh, I'm glad they're finally we got those birthdays out of the way. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, we had a real frost uh, now where I live, like a real frost. Yeah. I've had a blooming geranium at my front door right up until day before yesterday. It looked perfect. And people kept saying, come on, Charlie, we know you don't have fake plants at your house. There's no <laughs> way that geranium is, is real. That's got to be a plastic job. Exactly, because yeah. it's so perfect. But it was, it is real, and it was looking really good up until it really dropped on, uh, I guess, uh, Thursday night. Yeah. So now it's all, it's toasted. So now it's time to change up uh, <laughs> the front door Chad decor. On the way in this morning, I was talking to Bob Shepard, our news mm. guy, and uh, he was saying that yesterday, he was out to his grandson's uh, hockey game, he said the weather was terrible. Out Burlington, yeah. Oak. Snowing and blowing. It's a lake effect, I guess. Because it's dry where I live. There isn't a. a, You know, there's more sort of snow in downtown Toronto right now than there is where I live. We we trace. Yeah, a little little icing. Uh, Okay, so um, the other thing is, I did tell you about. Five important points about being kind to your trees and preparing your trees for winter. Don't bark at them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And so the we can go over it again if you okay. like today, but as well, all those points have now been posted on the AM740 website, mm-hmm. which is actually now zoomerradio.ca is our you know, you can go to AM740. It'll take you over to yep. zoomerradio.ca. It's on the blog or blogs, and you'll see the five points to be to prepare your trees for winter, which is Sounds like good a stuff. Good deal. And it's free, right? Absolutely. That's the best kind of thing I like <laughs> to push along here. Well, we speaking of pushing along, we mm. better push along. We mm-hmm. have a little bit of a commercial break here. Going to put the soft-spoken Christina to work, and then we'll be back to talk to our listeners and uh, those with questions calling in for Charlie Dobbin on the Garden Show here at AM 740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank here with the phone numbers one more time just before we have our master garden and get to work here. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And, Charlie, let's welcome our first caller to the line. Mm-hmm. Tyler, good morning. Hi, Frank. Hi, Charlie. Morning. Hi. Pardon me? Hello there. Yeah. It's actually Mr. Manette's personal secretary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a question for Charlie. Sometime before Christmas last year, you had a thing on your, your program about points that is not being poisonous, just dispelling the, the myths or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Can you can you do that, uh, say that again, and, and I'll, I'll 
I'll hang up and turn the radio. I'm wondering how I can find that on the, on your website about um, mm. points that is not being posted so I can print it off. Okay. All right, so you hang up and uh, turn up okay. your radio, and we'll uh, talk a little yeah, bit thanks, about Tyler. poinsettias. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, you know what it is? Weekly, like every day of the week, Monday to Friday, I do little tips on yes. AM 740. Yep. They're a minute and a half, two-minute tips. And the topic of one of my tips last year before Christmas was dispelling the myth about poinsettias or poinsettias being poisonous. Yeah, I've heard that. I know everybody's heard that. They're not. Now, okay, what they are, poinsettias are a euphorbia. That's the proper name, the genus. Euphorbias all, when you break a leaf, you get a white uh, latex, rubbery bleeding from it, if you will. Ficus does the same thing, or figs. You get that white, gummy, looks like glue coming out. Now, some people are sensitive to that milky liquid, that they they can get a rash on their skin because we all have different sensitivities to different plants and, you know, foods and perfumes and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, sometimes people react, but... Um, it has never, nobody has ever, ever died from eating poinsettia. And so that's one of those things where, you know, don't bring them in the house where you have small children as if a child's going to chew on a <laughs> poinsettia anyway, because well. they really don't taste good. That that liquid, that bitter. white, yeah, really bitter. So even my crazy cat who chews on all houseplants doesn't really like poinsettia. And frankly, he does chew on everything. So, um, you know, he's a horrible little <laughs> monstrosity of a kitty cat. But, uh, you know, he's tried the poinsettia that is and moved on. So, I mean, I will I will do that again on the radio as one of my tips. Read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The little tiny flowers, the real flowers on a poinsettia are the little balls up on top. The little yeah. round, they look like, yeah, literally like little balls. Those are the flowers. Even those aren't poisonous. Like, no part of, of the plant it truly is poisonous, but we all have different sensitivities, so rubbing up against them might cause a little bit of a rash for some people, a little bit of itchiness, hives, that sort of thing, huh. but certainly won't kill you. Okay. I can tell you that. And maybe maybe uh, uh, Tyler, who had called in, might go online if he has a computer uh, and uh, just punch in, you know, poinsettias uh, and... Uh, Poisonous? Well, well I can even perhaps yeah. come up with a website here that oh, okay. will provide that. And uh, frankly, the government, Agriculture Canada has on their site a list of poisonous plants, okay. both by common name and by Latin name. Well, there you go. I can announce that when we okay, very find good. it. <laughs> Hope that answers your question, Tyler. And uh, by the way, if, if you really need to prove to someone that they're not poisonous, you can always check out our uh, iPod. Uh, podcast, you podcast, mean? Yes. yes. I always get that confused. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> You're showing your now, age. Today, yeah. <laughs> you don't need an iPod to yeah. listen to a podcast. Well, I moved my typewriter just a minute, yes. <laughs> uh, but this this program will not be on the podcasts for maybe a week and a half. No, like it's usually no. about four days. I think oh, um, Joel, or, oh, or not cool. Joel, but it used to be Joel, gets yeah. it up by about Thursday. Okay. Through iTunes. Yeah. Uh, you can listen, re-listen to the show or through the AM740 or... Just Zoomer Media website. Disbeliever by the scruff of the neck. Say, listen to this. Now, there's Charlie telling you they're not poisonous, okay? All right. So, enough for that. Uh, There you go, Tyler. Hope that helps. Uh, Let's get to Anne, who's on the line now, calling as well from Toronto. Good morning, Anne. Oh, good morning. How are you? Great. Morning. Good morning. The reason I'm calling is about um, transplanting boxwoods. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a home in our neighborhood that's going to be destroyed by a developer. Mm-hmm. All the landscaping is going to be destroyed. Um, they've got a whole bunch of boxwoods 
that are up for grabs to anybody who wants them. Hmm. How big so, are they? They're small ones. They're not the big ones. They're like sort of, you know, the ones that are only about two feet high, maybe. But they're the, the smaller ones. Any way of uh, digging them out and then maybe putting them in huge pots to overwinter them? Like, how could one save them if one could? I wonder how long they've been where they are now. Do you have any idea? Oh, probably five years. Hmm, that's not that bad. Right. So the question is, then the digging out would have to take place now is what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. And so you have no place to plant them in a permanent location now. No, that's right. If you, yes, you could dig them up. Uh, putting them into pots is potentially doable, but you'd want pretty big pots because you want to get as big a root ball as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So when a boxwood's been in the ground for five years, you're going to want at least, I'd be going for at least a 16-inch pot to put that root ball into. So 16-inch diameter pot. Um if you can. Now, the thing is that above ground is colder than in the ground. So if you did dig them up and you did put them in pots and you had to leave them above ground over the winter, you want to put them in a spot where they're in the shade, so no sun, and out of the wind. Okay. Preferably sort of an um, easterly location or northeasterly location. So you've got, you know, any light is early daylight, uh, no wind, and of course water. You're going to have to water them right away when you do the transplanting, but also... I would keep an eye on them, uh, you know, if it's depending on the sort of the quality of the soil and the kind of temperatures we're having, you may need to water those once or twice through the winter. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because they're going to be, they're going to die one way or the other. Right. So it's worth a try for sure. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Good luck with that. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. For first-time listeners, possibly, you are listening to AM740 Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. Of course, we're heard around the world via internet. We, uh, you know, just by our regular uh, radio receiver, um, you get uh, get us picked up in uh, twenty eight states and two provinces here in Canada. Just, Largest, yeah, without an internet, yeah, you mean, without web yeah. listening. It's and amazing. And if you're on Rogers Cable, it's channel nine forty nine. Good so point. There you go. You can listen to us on the television. Oh, my on Lord. the web, we're everywhere. We just we can't be escaped <laughs> from. Uh, that's yes, terrible language. That's... I ended with a. A proposition, whatever. Nine twenty-three, our time. Dangling here participle. Am seven forty, and you know what I'm doing now? I'm doing my finger push-ups. I see you mm-hmm. are, and I can Just tell why. Up and down with my fingers because starting slowly. You too can feel better in 14 days, just like Frank and Absolutely. I do. Pain free and as active as we want to be because we do take something called Sierra Sill. Completely natural mineral supplement. It allows us to maintain our activities without aches and stiffness. And it, it's something that can work for just about everybody. Not everybody, but just about everybody. And you will feel better within 14 days if it's going to work for you, which is where the phone number comes from. one joint 14 or the website, sierrasill.com. CA, or you can pick up Sierra Sill at many of your lo- the local health food stores, including Essence of Life on Kensington Avenue uh, in Toronto and Natural Solutions, which is at Sherway Gardens in Etobicoke. S I E R R A S I L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
the special good Saturday morning to everybody. Uh, Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming Brendan to the line from Beaton. Have I got that correctly? Yes. Okay, very good. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. What's going on at your place? Well, I brought in a plant. I'm, I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it properly, but it's Diplodenia. That's right, yep. And it's blooming. It's never mm. stopped blooming, ever. It's beautiful. But since I brought it inside, it's developed long runners, mm-hmm. like about two feet long, almost <laughs> some of them. Should I cut them off? All right. So what? remember what's happening when you bring a plant like that inside, the light levels drop dramatically. Yes. Even if you were in the shade outside and you're in the sunniest window inside, the light levels drop. Plants respond by what we call stretching or, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. doing some sort of extensive growth, uh, far less compact than it was outside. Oh. The runners that you're seeing are as well, something where the plant is, it's growing and it's reaching and it's looking for the light. Oh. Uh, but it, how big is this plant? Is it a, uh, on a trellis or it's because it is a vining plant? Oh, I see. I didn't know that because it's never, it's just a bit, quite small, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. In, a, in what size pot? Oh, a little one. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing you could consider is, um, it, like I say, it is a vining plant. So you could insert a small trellis into the pot or even pot it up one uh-huh. size. If Say it's in a six-inch or eight-inch pot now, go up one size, which is... It would be to an 8 or a 10-inch pot. 8 or 10, yeah. And uh, and then a small trellis, because you can buy, you know, like little portable with legs on them, stick it into the soil, mm. and train that plant to stay within the confines of the pot. You will want to do some trimming late winter, early spring, because oh. it'll be very appropriate to encourage compact growth. Mm-hmm. For now, I would just, I wouldn't do a lot of trimming. I would just try and twine and wind and allow it to do its thing. Okay. Unless it's so out of control and looks really silly, you can cut it back if you need to. Perfect. Okie doke. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us, Joe. And uh, boy, it's going to be a busy little show here, I do believe. Uh, Erica from Etobicoke on the line. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hello. Can you hear us? Hello? Good morning, Erica. <laughs> Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I'd like to ask you, I have the Christmas cactus, but it's not blooming yet. Okay. And I don't know what to do. Does it have any buds on it? Nothing. Okay. So what you do is, I'll tell you what you do to get the buds to form. Okay. Number one, it's got to be in the sunniest possible window in your house, preferably a southern window. So bright sun. Yeah, because that is a problem. My apartment not have enough sun. Uh, that could be a problem. Um, the other thing that makes a difference for Christmas cactus is temperature. They like to be cool. They will initiate flower buds or form flower buds if they have some cool temperatures. Sometimes well, my apartment is not very hot anyway. So, mm. but right in a window, what direction does your apartment face? Uh, north side. Mm. Okay, so but put that plant right in the window. Eat, like tr- try to not have it touch the glass. But usually, right on a window ledge is one of the cooler spots in in the entire apartment. Make sure there's no warm air blowing on it from a from a radiator or anything like that. And the cool temperatures at the window may make the difference. You will need to turn the plant 180 degrees 
every couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it'll grow in an unbalanced fashion. And that, and remember, do not keep it constantly moist. Only water when it's very dry. Very dry. Very dry between mm-hmm. waterings. And that may make the difference for you. That may sort of you know, jump-start it for uh, some making of flower buds. The other thing is you can consider fertilizing it once. If you haven't fertilized in the last few months, no. you could mix up some fertilizer, and next time you water, give some fertilizer in the water, and then uh, let it dry right down before you water again with just plain water. And again, that may help just get it to initiate those flowers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. It is a bit of a tough one if you don't have a ton of light, though. That's the that's the trick. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> Christmas cactus, exactly. Yeah. All right. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm enjoying the show. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you, okay. Erica. And thanks for joining us here yeah. on the Garden Show here at AM seven forty Zoomer Radio. Just a little note that uh, following Dave's Corner Garage, which immediately follows our, uh, our show, Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. Our show, <laughs> I, I love that it. In. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's the Health Show at eleven o'clock, and you have all sorts of wonderful advice from all sorts of doctors. Anything to do with health, it'll be on that show. So from eleven through to twelve, the Health Show here at AM seven forty. Okay, let's uh, take a little uh, trip here phone to Scarborough. numbers. Why don't you give, oh, the, phone yeah, I'll give the phone numbers? You know, uh, I'm looking up here, and I know what it is. This time of year, people are so crazy busy, mm. you know, shopping. And uh, My wife had me running all over the city yesterday, picking up some uh, Gifts? various things. Yeah. You have grandbabies. Yes, that's, that's right. Why. So I know what it's like yeah. out there, you know. So uh, we have... To, to cut to the chase, we have a couple of lines open right now at 416-360-0740. Or if you are calling from outside Toronto, anywhere in the province for that matter, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And you had something you wanted to mention. No, Charlie. I was just going to say, you know, if people are crazy busy racing yeah, around yeah. and don't have time to make calls, I do have a raft of emails, so we can always cover off some emails that have okay. been sitting on my desk for the last few weeks. We'll tap dance till ready. Oh, <laughs> and Bill is on the line from Scarborough. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Charlie. Uh, yes, I, I am an avid gardener. Mm-hmm. I do my own garden at home, and I also volunteer to do the garden out of the nursing home. Mm, nice. Uh, this year, the cucumbers in my own backyard mm-hmm. and the ones in, in the home all got mildew on and died mm-hmm. before we even got a, any fruit on it. Well, there was a couple of cucumbers on ones out there, but they were all went soft on the end and were rotten. We had to throw them away. I know. You're not, <clears throat> you're not the only person that happened to. That happened to a lot of people. Is there nothing that you can do to bug um, it? I mean, I, well, I, I tried putting uh, spraying it with sulfur and water, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess either I was too late or it didn't work, whichever. Well, it's interesting because in my neighborhood, everybody's that I spoke with, everybody's cucumbers did exactly what you said. They just kind of collapsed overnight. Now, I hadn't grown, <clears throat> excuse me, cucumbers <clears throat> in the spot I did grow them this year ever, and mine held up much longer than anybody else's. So I'm not sure. I did a little bit of uh, research at the time. It appears, I mean, what happens is there's an insect, though I never saw it, which is the cucumber beetle that spreads diseases and um, causes problems. And often this, the wilt disease that you see or that complete collapse uh, can be connected to the insect or strictly to a, a, a mildew from 
conditions, that, you know, in the weather that we can't control. Best thing I can recommend for next year is never plant cucumbers in the same spot two years running. So rotate those crops or just take a break from cucumbers for well, a, a year or two. Yeah, you did, eh? So yeah. the, the cucumbers you planted this year is the first time you had planted in a couple of years. Uh, no, I planted the last year, but I planted it in a different spot. I mm-hmm. only put in a couple of plants. Mm-hmm. And you had them growing up something? They weren't uh, sprawled on the ground? Out at the home, they, they, somebody else planted them. They planted them in a row, and I put up a one of those chicken wire fences so they could climb up it. Mm-hmm. And they were doing wonderful at the top, and then all of a sudden they all died. They all just collapsed. I know, and I like I said, I'm not positive. I'm gonna. I have to go back and re re look this up. I'm not positive whether the collapse was strictly a like a fungal disease, as we're thinking, or if it was more connected to virus or whatever that could have been um, trans. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Transmitted. Yeah, transmitted no. by an insect, by the cucumber beetles, because they do cause huge problems. And you're right, we don't have sprays. We've just got to be watching, watching, watching. And the sulfur, or there's another fungicide called the Serenade, which is not sulfur, as far as I know, uh, can be used on your vegetables like your cucumbers. But you always have to prevent diseases with fungicides. You can't cure fungal diseases. It's a a challenge. It may be related, you might be able to tell me, because right beside the ones I have at home, I had Swiss chard. And I never seen Swiss chard grow like that before. It only grew about six inches high, and that was it. And that was—I've uh, mm. never seen Swiss chard do that. No, really. What was was it? A variety of Swiss chard you've grown in the past? Uh, same, same seed and everything. Hmm. Hmm. Um, tell me about your soil. Do you add manure to your soil or any organic oh, material? Yes, and what? leaf mulch and everything. Huh? Hmm. And you're getting lots of good sun in this garden. It's, Pardon me. Oh, the, the garden is open to lots of sunshine. Oh, yes, wide open. Hmm. Yes, I actually, on the same pl- plot, I get got all kinds of tomatoes. And, so, yeah, it was a good year beans. for tomatoes. Water? Water would have had a, a limiting factor, would it? You were irrigating as required? Yeah, well, I, I, I believe what, what, I don't go down deep anymore. I used to dig it all over eight inches deep, but yeah. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't do that either. No. But but when we were getting into the real drought, hot, dry stuff, were you watering the, the cucumbers and the chard um, and the tomatoes? Yeah, but I don't overwater. I, right. I don't believe in overwatering. Maybe once a week, if that, you know. Hmm. Yeah, because that is the one thing about vegetables is that to get a good a quality crop, we want to try and have very consistent watering. So you're right. It doesn't have to be lots of watering, but it does have to be consistent. Um, and sounds like you're, you know, you've sort of got a good handle on that. Well, well tell you what, Bill. The ones out, can I, excuse me for a The ones out at the home, uh, there's there's an old man, one of the patients in there, and he loves to water gardens. And and he, when his when the ones out there started wilting, I told him stop putting water on them altogether because you're wa- overwatering them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what it was. No. I don't think it was either. Okay, leave it with me, Bill. I'm going to uh, do a little research, and we will talk about this next week because I'll have a chance to do some research over the week. And uh, when we come back, when we start the show next week, that will be top of the top of the first thing we talk about. Oh, thanks. Top of the show. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you, Bill from Scarborough. Uh, good for you, Bill. Getting Charlie to work. Love <laughs> it when that happens. Hey, it looks like we've got a caller from New York here, Jim. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Where, whereabouts in New York are you calling Rochester. from? Rochester. Rochester. I'm the guy who listens to you at night. <laughs> oh, great. 
Morning. How are you doing, Jim? Good morning. Uh, Charlie, just a quick question. I got Forsythia bush, and it's really uh, the, the branches are long. In fact, it impedes raking underneath and even cutting under there. And I'm wondering, when do you trim a Forsythia bush? Hmm. Great question. Well, you can trim that Forsythia bush if you're if it's really big and overgrown right now. The right time to when to trim any flowering shrub is right after it flowers. So, of course, forsythia, with the yellow flowers, is one of the first blooming shrubs in the spring. Properly, you would wait until it's given its beautiful big show next spring, then you'd get out your chainsaw and you would hack it right back because it is one tough plant. But if it's really just you don't want to leave it that long and wait until after it flowers, forsythia is a great plant to do some trimming starting in February Start taking some branches off and then bring them inside, stick them into a vase, and they will bloom indoors as a, you no know, kidding. branches of forsythia. Brighten up your kitchen or living room or whatever with some flowering forsythia so you could start your pruning early in that sense and still get the flowers. Then, of course, do a real proper shaping and, and pruning come spring when you can get outside. But that, that's a one way to kind of deal with it in the short term. Okay, thank you very much. You're hey, very thanks, welcome. Jim. By the way, uh, regarding weather in Rochester, are you getting a lot of snow down there? Uh, just barely. It's not even covered. Uh, it's just, you know, spotty. Yeah, same here in Teoa, but a little to the west of us has uh, uh, got snow, and, and, of course, a little further north, lots of snow. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much for the call, Jim. You're welcome. Thanks, yep. Jim. Uh, love to hear from our folks from across the the border there. Uh, you were going to say the pond, weren't you? Uh, I was going to say the pond. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, Lake Ontario is a bit bigger than a pond. 9.39 our time here at AM 740. We'll be back to talk to our listeners in just a couple of moments at uh, AM 740, the garden show. And yes, this time Charlie is giving me the visual cue. She was doing a hula dance thing. <laughs> that was really wacky. You like that, eh? Well, yeah. You know me. I'll get just... my lawnmower on, cut that grass skirt. Boy, I just like that. All right. The reason we're being silly and, and dancing and doing exercises is because both Frank and I want to maintain the freedom of our favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness. Of course, we do that by taking Sierra Sil on a daily basis. Completely natural mineral supplement keeps us uh, supple and limber and, and kickboxing and snow shoveling and lawn mowing and gardening and all that fun stuff. So uh, it works for us. It might work for you. For more information, call one joint 14 or check the website, sierrasill.ca, or you can pick it up at Heart Lake IDA Drugs on Sandalwood Parkway East, sorry, Sandalwood Parkway East in Brampton. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, your sous chef of the garden, uh, rocking and rolling here on a Saturday morning as we say hi to Dave. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hello, Dave. Good morning. Morning. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Uh, I have a question. I have an ash tree in my front yard, and I have a question regarding the emerald ash borer. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand that there's actually a treatment that you can apply to the tree to try and give it uh, some support from the uh, borer. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering um, how effective that treatment is, how much it costs, what's involved. I'm considering doing it for the tree. It's about um, 
I'd say it's about 14 or 15 years old now. And this is an, a real ash, not a mountain ash. Uh, no, it's a real ash, yeah. Okay, which is important. I'm not sure if it's a green ash or a black ash or... Yeah, okay. Yeah, one of those. All right. Um, there is a treatment. It is an in, it's an injected treatment. Uh, you would pay an, a certified arborist to uh, do the treatment. How much does it cost? You know what? I couldn't tell you exactly, but I know it's expensive. So what does that mean? I think it's a couple of hundred dollars mm-hmm. per year. Is it effective? Well, at this point, they're banking that it is effective. When I say they, it is being used in by the municipalities, City of Toronto being one, where I live in town of Richmond Hill. There's Everybody has kind of put aside a little budget to try and keep uh, alive some of the heritage ash trees. Uh, for example, in Toronto at Queen's Park Circle, where there are some big old trees, there are a couple of amazing old ashes in there, and they are being treated to try and save them from the borer because the expectation is that the borers are going to wipe out the vast majority of ash trees uh, across Ontario, southern right. Ontario. So is it if, if I had an ash tree on my property that had big impact in terms of my landscape and the value of my home, I would definitely consider yeah. uh, using the treatment, definitely. And I, and just to understand correctly, do I have to do it every year? Is it just a one-time treatment? I believe it is something you'd have to do every year. Uh, an arborist would be able to tell you more on that. Um, I've just got my little computer going here. <laughs> the um, I think... She, she doesn't know quite everything. Well, you, you know what it is. <laughs> oh, I just don't know every detail. For some reason, the name, like, Furazam or something like that is, I think, mm. what it's called. So, Emerald Ash Boars, um, yeah, because City of Toronto, there's, you know, there's good information certainly on, you know, what the damage can look like. And yes, you have to be proactive. If you're going to save a tree, you treat it prior to any evidence of the borer being, uh, see the pictures? It's a very pretty yeah, bug. It it's is, a yeah. bright emerald green bug. Um, and yeah, what, there's there there's a lot on the web, so certainly do go to the web to look it up. But yeah, I would, I would definitely, if I could have, you know, put put aside a little budget, I would okay. save an ash tree if you can, because um, it's worth a try. Okay, that's good advice. Thank you very much. All right, you're very Thank welcome. Thank you, Dave. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye now. Thanks for joining us here in the Garden Show. Heard every Saturday morning, nine through to ten, and of course coming up, Dave's Corner Garage. Now uh, Barb is ready to join. Where are you calling from, Barb? By the way, I'm in Lindsay. Lindsay, oh, favorite old place of mine. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. How are you guys? Great. Good. I have a question. I planted a Japanese quince bush, or I guess it's a quince berry bush. Mm-hmm. Um, eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, in the spring, it gets vibrant red flowers on the lower part of it. Mm-hmm. And this year, for the first time after eight years, it's developed a hard-shelled fruit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Quince. Now, is that or- ornamental? or nope. I haven't noticed the birds at it. You know why? It's got to be those little quince, two things. One is they have to be frosted several times in order to be soft enough for the birds to be able to get at them. And often I find the quince fruit just mummifies on the uh, shrub anyway. Uh, The birds don't often necessarily see the the actual quince fruits. But um, it was probably that mild winter is why you're seeing fruits this year. The this fact that we had such a mild winter this past winter. It's not normal for it to have fruit? Well, like you said, you normally have lots of good flowers down low on the plant. Right. And that's because snow 
typically covers the lower portion of the plant. Okay. The flowers are they flower very early in the spring, and the flowers mm-hmm. would be would survive the winter because they'd be under the snow. Okay. And this past year, it was so mild, uh, we had virtually had no snow, but it wasn't so so cold that the flower buds got frosted off. So that's all that's really happening, I think, is that you probably had a pretty good flowering as well. You've got some fruiting going on this year. You might have had it in the past. You just never noticed just it. Never noticed Down it. Down low. So they're not, it's not uh, good to, for us to consume. Sure you can. Oh, really? Yeah, you can make quince jam or quince whatever. Mm-hmm. Never tasted that. Uh, is, it, is it good or would it be bitter? It's not bitter. It's just really mealy. They're not, oh, they're not yeah. like a, it's not like a peach or something. Quince are, um, they're an odd sort of a, there's ways, there's recipes out there. So if I went out Quince and took jam. one off and opened it up and left it for the birds, would they? They would probably like that. Oh, would they? Maybe yeah. they'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They are, it's a thorny plant, so be yes, careful. very thorny. <laughs> okay. I found that out. <laughs> thank you, and say hi to all the folks in Lindsay. Sheldon, thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye now. And, boy, we've got a good show going here on a Saturday, well, every every uh, Saturday morning with Charlie is a, is a real ball, I'll tell you. Francis in Toronto on the line. Good morning, Francis. Hello, Francis. Hello. Uh, hello. No, Linda. I've I got don't Linda. know. Have you got Linda there? I'm sorry. Good morning. Good morning. Is that Linda? Yes, it is. Oh, I need to pause. Okay. <laughs> I, I've been looking for a particular plant. It's a house plant. It's mm-hmm. called Simone. Apparently, it blooms 365. And I'm looking absolutely everywhere. It's gorgeous. Have you, you heard of this plant? How do you spell that? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% positive. She just said it was called Simone. Simone. Whew. Nina Simone. Yeah. Simone. Nope, don't know, but happy to look it up. Oh, would you please? All right. Yeah, got, I had a computer, got a computer, I would do it myself. But, <laughs> and anybody else I ask, they, they say they never heard of it. But my, um, my doctor's office, right there, they have it on, on the desk. It is absolutely gorgeous. What does it look like? It's, you know, it seems like it has, it's a family of the cactus. Mm-hmm. But it's very, um, it has <sighs> branches. I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, and the flowers are sort of like a, an orangey red. Yeah, it's called Sonoma. S E N O M A. Sonoma. Oh, I pr- so- that's why I can't find it. Hold on. Let me just. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's not called Sonoma. It's called Sedona. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I'll figure it out. We'll 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 get back on that one. Stay tuned, <laughs> Linda. Fabulous. It's fabulous. there. It's Thank in my you brain. So much. I just have, have to a find. Great day. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, you should see the action going on here in the control room. It's wild and woolly. I'll tell you. All right. It's a form of what's called crown of thorns. Okay. All right. Sedona, Sonoma. I think I think it's weird, Sonoma, but it's not coming up, Sonoma. Anyway, we're gonna figure that one out because it is a great plant and it does bloom extensively. Like some sun, though. Need that bright, sunny spot. Or definitely be careful to not overwater. Somebody send off a flare. This is the first time I've seen you stumped. I know. It really is. Have, Even with a, the help of the internet, you're stumped. having a show I, here, aren't I? I can't I? believe it. This, well, I'm in total shock. I, oh, I'm, I'm almost uh, uh, euphorbia. <laughs> it is euphorbia. Yeah, you're euphorbia. <laughs> That's, see, I try to learn one word every week, and euphorbia is my my name, and I'm going to have to have you tell me later what it means. Francis, you're on the line from Toronto, I understand. Now, good morning. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, a, a while back, you were, um, a caller called in about a, a Japanese Barbary mm-hmm. and Rose Glow. Yep, Rose Glow now, is the cultivar, um, yeah. How do you spell Barbary? B-A-R-B-U-R-Y? No, B-A-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R-B-E-R
B-A-R-R-Y, like Barry, like bar, oh, bar and then Barry. Barry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I was thinking of putting it out in the front. I face west. Is oh, it good perfect. For that? It it needs a western or southern location. All the barberries like lots of light. Do they spread out? Uh it's a shrub. The one we were talking about called Rose Glow. It will be a, yeah, a meter wide and a meter high after well, five or six oh, years. Meter wide, meter wide. Oh, that's not too bad. It, it might inflict with the rose bushes on either side, but I don't know. It's it's vase shaped, so it's narrow at the bottom. It grows like a waterfall, so it grows up and then spills, you know, out okay. into a sort of a waterfall I just thought it shape. My, because right now everything's looking pretty bare there. Yeah, it is a very prickly plant. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a very pretty plant. The leaves are all colors of pink and purple and white, and and then it gets little orange fruits. And with that western location, it's even better because as the sun sets, the sun um, would be behind the Barbary. Okay. And you stand on your side with the sun on the other side. It's like looking through a stained glass window. It is so pretty okay. when the sun comes um, through in it. The, in the, um, you buy it at a nursery, obviously, in the spring? That's right. Got it. Any, any good nursery would have it. Okay. I thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Nice to have you aboard here. The... Uh, Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and uh, we're going to there be talking. There it is, there it is. Oh, Look. you got it? You got it? <laughs> Sonoma. Okay, go back to Linda. Linda, hopefully you're still listening. Euphorbia, remember we said poinsettia yes. was a euphorbia? <clears throat> this is another euphorbia spelled E-U-P-H-O-R-B-I-A. Euphorbia. Sonoma. S as in Sam, O. N as in Norbert, <laughs> O, Norbert. M as in mother, A, Sonoma. All right, so that's what it's called, Euphorbia Sonoma. It is grown right here in Ontario. Balfour greenhouses, grows them like crazy. Look at the picture of this plant. Look how pretty oh, that hey, is. Hey, that is beautiful. Blooms red nonstop. Blooms. Wow. Yeah, it's like an orangey red bloom. Mm-hmm. There's big long prickles in there underneath these leaves. Uh, it is a cactus type plant, so don't overwater it. And yes, you can pick them up. At grocery stores will have them in little four inch pots. Um, at garden centers, everybody would have them. So oh, Euphorbia okay. Sonoma. Good. Yeah, you learn something from this show every day. I know. Well, sometimes for me even. <laughs> well, okay, all right, not. No, not so much. Uh, we're going to be back to talk to Anne and June in just a couple of moments. First, these words on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Charlie Dobbin wanted to add something to that last call, I do believe. No, darling, this is going back to our first call. Remember oh. when Tyler called about poinsettias and yes. whether they're poisonous? Yes. Okay. Anybody who's got a computer, access to a computer and Google, put in poinsettia, poisonous. Lots of websites come up. First one is medicinenet.com. Are poinsettia plants poisonous? Fact or fiction? Myths and rumors abound about the toxicity of the poinsettia plant uh, because they think that way back in 1919, a two-year-old child died, and at that time, the cause of the poisoning was incorrectly determined to be a poinsettia leaf. According to the Poisindex information source, the primary resource used by the majority of poison control centers nationwide A child who weighed 50 pounds would have to eat over 500 poinsettia leaves to reach an even potentially toxic dose of compounds (laughs) in the poinsettia plant. 
uh, doctors at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Poison Center conducted a review of 22,000 reported cases of poinsettia exposures, the majority, 93% of which occurred in children, and found that of those people exposed, nobody developed any symptoms at all. So the answer is no. Yeah. Poinsettias are not poisonous. Okay. Trust me. And they don't taste good anyway. Oh, there you go. All okay. Right. Food, you don't care whether to avoid it or not. Uh, Anne in Owen Sound is on the line. Good morning, Anne. Morning. Morning. I would uh, like to know if there's the right time to prune a ginkgo tree. Best time to prune a ginkgo tree is when it's dormant. So that could be winter, like now kind of timing, or early spring. Uh-huh. And the pruning should be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. As in a certified arborist. Yes, my tree has two headers. Oh, yeah. And I think before it gets mm-hmm. too terribly big, it should one of the headers should come off. Very, very good eye that you have, and very good point. Absolutely, when you've got a split terminal leader, so two terminals going on on a, on a big shade tree, it's going to be a very weak situation eventually when those as they grow bigger and bigger, and you'll be cabling and bracing those together in 20 years if you don't remove one when the plant is young. So, <laughs> what, what do you call young? Well, I think this is about 10, it is. 10 years old is good because by the time it gets to 30 years old, you won't be able to remove one of them. Because the plants don't grow fast enough that if you took one out, you would just have a big hole on one side of the tree. It would be completely unbalanced and misshapen and silly looking. So yes, even- I did try to stop the two headers from growing. Mm-hmm. But what I think I did was bend down the wrong branch. Oh, well. Get somebody who knows what they're doing <laughs> to do the right thing. <laughs> it's You know what? It, 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 if, even if it costs you $150 or whatever it's going to cost, $200 to get somebody who knows what they're doing to do the right thing, you will not regret it because a ginkgo is a tree that can live for hundreds of years and add all kinds of value to your property. So yeah, have it I, grow I right. I mine because they turn so yellow in the, they're pretty. In the fall yeah. and... Oh, great. And they're great trees. They're tolerant of urban conditions. They're just, they're good. They're really good trees. Hope that helped. Thank you very much. Okay, and thanks Thanks. for the call from Owen Sound. June on the line from Toronto. Good morning, June. Oh, good morning, June. Did we lose June? I don't know. Uh, I'm waiting for this radio to come on. Oh, here we are. Hello, June. Yeah. Is that June? No. Hello. Good morning. We're on the radio. Okay, we'll go to the next line here. Uh, Shirley in... Uh, oh, June. Arena. Shirley? June? Yeah. Which, whichever. Who's on the no, line there? June. I haven't spoken oh, to June. you Oh, June. Yeah. Way you go, my love. Okay. Uh, it's an indoor plant. I've had it... I took over from somebody about 30 years ago, and it's been going like crazy. But this year, about the first of the year, it started a new shoot. I don't know the name of it. It's just a green plant, and it never uh, blooms or anything like that. But this shoot now is about a foot high, and the old one is just all the leaves are starting to drop off. Each day I can get one, you know, kind of shrivel go brown. And I don't know whether when the new one is growing so good, whether should I cut the old one off when it dies? What or you got there is it? a weed. That, that's a weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that isn't. <laughs> okay. Um, it's very, very normal for 
older leaves to drop because no leaves last forever. Right. So the fact that the older, more mature leaves are dropping and new, fresh growth is growing is a good thing. It means the plant is healthy and happy and alive. Right, yeah. So I would allow it to do what it's doing. And absolutely, if the older branches become unsightly because there's no leaves on them, then you may need to cut them back. But remember that new growth, that new stem you're referring to, you could pinch the top on that and cause some side branching and cause the plant to not just have a single stem but have be a little bushier and more more compact. Oh, that's good because right now this one here, it's got about four leaves that are pretty brown and it's just like a dead stock, you know, with all these parts that I've cut mm-hmm. the leaves off. Yeah, well, and so they... I'll do that then. Yeah, t- pinch the top and let the old leaves die. Oh, drop. okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. There's You're a lesson welcome. there. Bye-bye. A lesson there for all of us. Pinch the top and let the old leaves die. That's <laughs> that's what I'm going away with. You. I, I, I always <laughs> your take home. <laughs> yeah, my take home for today is pinch the top, let the old leaves die. Uh, Charlie's been a ball. Uh, As back usual. In action here. Never a dull moment. And we uh, certainly appreciate all the callers uh, calling in and uh, Gosh, we're getting awful close to Christmas. We are. And so we are going to talk more next week about good gifts for gardeners. I think we're going to have uh, somebody with us, uh, author of a new book. Dan Cooper will be joining us to talk about gardening in the hammock. And, of course, that's my favorite kind of gardening. Well, yeah, I know. You and your wine bag out there. That's uh, my wine bag. Gosh, yeah, well, a bag of wine there as you <laughs> weed the garden. Uh, suggesting I'm an old wine bag or something. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything. I heard you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Christina, for yes. all your hard work out there. And Christina has a little uh, you know, bit of laryngitis. And yeah. it's been a, uh, She's going to feel better over, next week. Hopefully she'll be better next and but I like the red you. toque she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Very Thank you so much, indeed. Frank. Thank You've you, Charlie. Done a great job as usual, my, as my sous chef. And you're back again, obviously, for Absolutely. a little more uh, this afternoon. We'll take another kick at it again <laughs> at noon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so See if I can get better. <laughs> enjoy your break and have a great show <laughs> okay. later. Thanks so much, Christina. Thanks to the callers. See you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.